0: I let go of the idea that I had to have it all figured out. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I'm a writer and a writing coach who helps women develop and publish their memoirs and essays. But most importantly, I'm a human who's always trying to figure out what my soul is saying. Each week, I'll share stories and tips of healing, hope, and following my heart so that you'll feel inspired to follow yours. We're about to dive into an incredible episode, but just before we do, I want to share with you some important news. We're starting a movement, my friend, a movement of women falling back in love with themselves and remembering just how wise they truly are. As part of this movement, I have written a book. It's called Come Home to Your Heart. It is a collection of 28 little life moments that really restored my spirit. And then all of these journaling prompts so that you can explore the inner depths of who you truly are and the wisdom you have deep within you. And it is available for (laughs) pre-order. I have the link in the show notes, and then it'll be on your doorstep in May. (gasps) I'm so thrilled. Now, on to today's episode. Hi, friends. Today, we are going to dive deeply into one of the biggest questions that I get as a writing coach and one of the biggest annoyances and roadblocks that stumps writers, and that is How do I structure this thing? (laughs) Especially if you're working on a book, but these tips and tools that I'm about to give work for essays and stories as well. How do I structure this thing? It's one of the biggest questions that I get because many writers feel like they can't move on or they can't even start if they don't know how to structure something. And it becomes one of the biggest roadblocks and hindrances to either starting or finishing. So this is one of those goodies where if you have a notebook nearby or the notes section in your phone at the ready, it might be helpful because I'm going to give hands down my top tactile, tangible tools and tips, lots of T's here, that you can use in order to navigate the uncertain realm of structure. I'll make it easy breezy for you. First and foremost, a writer has an idea. They want to write about XYZ topic. And immediately after they have this grand idea, especially if it is a complex one, they go, okay, I want to write this, but how do I organize it? What will the structure be? And one of the first pieces of advice I always give is one, find Models. Find models. This seems obvious enough, and we see it in any other type of industry or profession, but writers often forget about this little ditty. So, for example, if you have the great fortune of being able to build a home, right? And if you went to a designer, an architect, and said, I want to build a home, they would ask, Okay, what do you want it to look like? And you might in your head have a vision of the feeling, maybe some colors, a tad bit of the layout. But what would be most helpful for you and the architect? is if you had some basic models of inspiration so you could at least narrow down your starting place because a split-level suburban-style home is very different from a city bungalow, is very different from a loft apartment is very different from a rural farmhouse feel, right? So you need to have models to even narrow down. This part of the process is when I go to my bookshelves and I go to my bookstore. When I was writing my book that just came out, Come Home to Your Heart, I immediately went to my bookshelves as the ideas started coming, and I knew that, first of all, the inspiration behind the book was Shauna Niequist's book, Present Over Perfect, and then later, as I was deep into the writing of it, another book that felt very impactful and inspiring is Leanna Tinkersley's Hope Anyway. Another one that kind of came to mind too is Kelly Corrigan's book, Tell Me More. And so finding the models takes many decisions out of the equation. It's eliminating the feeling that I feel when I go to Costco, right? <laughs> when I go to Costco, I don't go to Costco. That's the issue. <laughs> because when I go to Costco, there are so many things there, in bulk, just my brain goes, nope, done, and it shuts down. Whereas if I go to a local farmer's market, and there are just 12 little bits of produce to choose from, I'm a much happier camper. So your brain wants less decisions to make, which will help free up the roadblock if you narrow down. So first of all, list the books that you feel are structured in a way that you like. Just start with what you like. What have you read that you like the way that they are organized and structured? Write down a list of those. Go to the bookstore, go to the library, and start looking at your old favorites. Go to your own bookshelves and remind yourself of what you like why you like it, and read again like a writer to see how they did what they did. You can also, just for inspiration, start reading some new books that have come out and see how they are structured to kind of familiarize yourself with current trends. But I would say that starting with what you already like and why you like it is going to be really helpful. When I was writing my memoir of This Much I'm Sure, I relied heavily on the inspiration from Mary Carr's memoir Lit and Cheryl Strayed's memoir Wild. I like to go into the genre of what I'm writing. So... Notice how you narrow down immediately. Okay, if I am writing an essay collection, I'm going to look at other essay collections and see which ones I like. If I'm writing memoir, I'm going to go to other memoirs, see which ones I like. If I'm writing fiction, YA fiction, I'm going to go to other YA novels and see which ones I like. Why? And then study their structure. Write it down. This is called reverse outlining. When you look at how other books are structured and you outline their chapters, it really helps to see how did they do what they did. You read the book for the first time as a reader, but now you're reading it again as a writer. For Come Home to Your Heart, the book of mine that just came out, my second book, I knew it was an essay collection because I was writing it in essays when I first began. I didn't know what it would become, but I noticed that rather than chapters that kind of have cliffhangers at the end, each piece that I was writing had a beginning, middle, and an end. Each piece was a self-sustaining essay. And then as I wrote more and more of them, I thought, oh, lots of essays here. This is an essay collection. So I looked at other essay collection type of books that also have memoir infused in order to see what other people did and how they did what they did. This leads me to my second point, which is the advice that I give to other writers and what I use with myself is not... What do you want it to be, but what does it want to be? So a writer will come to me and they'll say, I have this idea for a book and I just, I don't know what the structure should be though. I have no idea and it's really stumping me. And I'll say, okay, talk me through this idea. What, what topic, is it? Okay, tell me more about the story. And I just have them start storytelling to me. I want to write about my MS journey and the holistic approaches that I used as part of my healing. One of the writers I worked with, her name is Arlene Falk, and her book Walking on Pins and Needles came out last year. Okay, so you have that idea. Or somebody else comes to me and says... I want to write a memoir about my Irish heritage, my family history. Okay, that's another one of the writers that I worked with. Lois Farley chauffeured, and her book is Finding Home. So these writers, whatever idea, they come to me and they say, I want to write about this and I've been writing some things, but I just don't know what the structure is. And I say, okay, what is inherently already there? What have you already come up with? What is innately revealing itself? What does it want to be? So you look at the pages and The pages reveal an inherent structure already. I, as the outsider, notice, oh, what you've done here is, oh, you're writing uh, something that Is kind of like a braided book where you have one storyline about your own life, but then you have another storyline about your family's history. So it's almost like a braid. Well, you have a few choices here, right? You can go back and forth. One chapter can be your story. One chapter can be family history, back and forth, back and forth. But what I see here that what you've actually done with the writing is that you've kind of infused both, within each of your chapters. So it's already showing you what it wants to be, (laughs) right? And this is the beauty of just writing first and then starting to notice your own patterns. Whenever a writer says, I don't know what to do, I'll say, okay, free write (laughs) first, just write without thought, and then let it reveal itself. So one of the best things that you can do is just write without thought or plan, telling your story how you would naturally tell your story in the way that feels completely innate to you, and then compile your pages, say try to get up to maybe 50 pages, print them out and just see what you have. Notice the patterns, because what seems very obvious and natural to you is not obvious or natural to somebody else. Somebody else might innately write in third person, in a collage style, and that just is what feels completely natural and innate and authentic to their story. You might write in first person and stick to a chronological structure and your structure is there without you even realizing it. So compiling the pages really, really helps. There's a wonderful writer out there called Mary Carol Moore, and years ago in Boston, I took a writing workshop with her, and she taught the W method for structuring books, and she will say even herself that it comes from, is inspired by many other kind of three-act structures that um, writers, even Shakespeare, were using for plays and things. And so when she was teaching this W method, she was saying how essentially all of us tend to, most of us tend to write islands, meaning these little pieces. We write a scene here or a chapter there, and the more islands we write, eventually this is my own thought, they come together to form a country. (laughs) Or you can think about you're writing different states and they come together to form a country. Or, you know, just that idea of each thing you write is a piece of the puzzle and you will form the puzzle, but you first need the pieces. So you write these islands, as Mary Carol Moore says, and then... After you have enough of these islands, you start looking and going, how do I want to fit them together? One way is to look at what the patterns are that are already there. What are you already doing? And does that serve this story? At the end of the day, you want to ask yourself, does this serve my narrative? When I was first writing, when I was in an MFA program in Chicago, I wanted to be, um, Smart and witty and would write these interestingly structured pieces because I wanted to be interesting and almost like a master of form. But oftentimes the story itself would suffer. So I think, oh, I have this brilliant way of structuring it where it's kind of almost like a mystery and I'm going to put this here and that there. And it almost seems like, what's going on here but then it's going to come together and and it's like okay but at the end of the day why does it serve this story does it leave your reader confused is it about your ego and the way you're structuring it or does it all come together and make sense for why it's organized the way it's organized so there is a difference between your reader being curious and confused. You want your reader to be curious and keep reading, but you don't want them to be confused. So if you're attempting an experimental structure, that's great, as long as it doesn't leave your reader confused, and as long as it serves the narrative. So there are these interesting styles of essay called hermit crab essays, where They are essays that take the form and structure of whatever thing it's emanating or mimicking. So say you are doing a hermit crab essay and your entire essay is actually structured as a recipe. And so you have, quote unquote, ingredients, measurements, cooking instructions, so on and so forth. But within that, you're writing a story about a family recipe that was passed down throughout the years. Well, the recipe structure would make sense for a story that's about a family recipe. So that coincides. But if you're just using a structure for the sake of being witty and smart, you might want to double think that. So to think about it so far, you're finding models, you're referencing what you already like You are using that maybe as a basis for inspiration, not to copy what somebody else has done, but to think, okay, how did they do that? And then how can I use those tips and tools for my own content? You are compiling these islands or these pieces and you're seeing what's already there. You are figuring out what best serves the story, and the reader so that they are curious rather than confused. So then what happens once you have a compiled amount of pages? Here's what I recommend. Print them out. Print them out, print them out, print them out. I can never figure out structure when I am looking at a computer whose only physical structure you have to scroll through. Like it doesn't make sense to me to figure out the tactile structure of something when I cannot tactilely hold it in my hands. So with my book, Come Home to Your Heart, I wrote it over the course of a few years, five years. And when I first started writing it, I didn't know what it was going to be. I just started writing these essays as my memoir was coming out of this much, I'm sure, as it was coming out, that story was already processed and out in the world. And I kept feeling the desire to just write these little essays about random life observations. And so I did. I just followed the call, so to speak. I just followed my own curiosity, and just let myself write what I wanted to write. I was paying attention to what I was paying attention to. And I started writing these essays about life observations, moments that had happened that in my life that gave me pause that made me go, hmm, or learn something or dive deeper. So I wrote these essays and wrote some more and then got to a point where I had maybe, I don't know, 75 to 100 pages of these essays. No idea what they were about. No idea what they were about to become. I could tell that they were all obviously memoir and creative nonfiction. They were all about my internal journey that was happening as a result of my external life journey. And so I printed them out one day. And I cleared my home office. I pushed all the furniture to the side and spread out the essays one by one on the floor. So they were in my Google Drive and they were all separate little, little things. And I just print them out and I put them at random on the floor. So like each essay was its own little pile. So I had, I don't know, maybe 10 piles, 12 piles. And I just started walking around the room, looking at them on the floor. I looked at their titles, which were in bold. Each time I looked at their titles, it kind of reminded me what the piece was about. And I just started walking around, weaving in between the rows. I kind of put them in rows and columns. So it was like a big square grid of these essays on the floor. And then I got super geeky, and I started pulling out colored post-it notes. And I started noticing the topics that were in each essay. So I'd walk by an essay, and I'd go, oh, okay, well, that's about parenting. It's also about anxiety. And so each topic that it was about at its core became a colored post-it. So parenting, say, was blue, anxiety was yellow, whatever colors. And then I would walk around to each of the other essays, and if they also were about parenting, I'd put a blue post-it on it. If something else was about anxiety, I would put a, a yellow post-it on it. And I just started tagging and flagging them with these colored post-its to show what they were about. Oh, so this one has five different post-its on it because it's about parenting and anxiety and teaching and spiritual journey and whatever else. What that did for me is that it got me noticing thematically what these pieces were about then i even went a step further and geeked out even more and then created a spreadsheet from there and did these color-coded kind of check columns where it's like okay essay number one is about parenting column check anxiety check this that so i could look at a single spreadsheet and go okay 11 out of 12 of these are about parenting so is this a collection of essays about parenting Okay, 10 out of 12 of them are about anxiety. You know, I'm just making up these numbers. Is this collection about getting to the heart of and healing anxiety? So it just helps me look from a zoomed out perspective at what I already had. What do I have here? What are these about thematically? So one way to approach structure is just to look thematically and go, what's even here? So I had a choice. Do I want to put these essays together in terms of this is an essay collection and section one is all my parenting essays. Section two is all of my marriage essays. Section three is all about inner world spiritual essays. I attempted that first. I did that first. So you can attempt the thematic approach at structuring by using color coding by using post-its by taping up on the wall by making spreadsheets there are many ways to go about it but it has to be a tactile process for me personally when you do this you can see if there's any innate order and structure there and see what works for you I did that and what I noticed is, holy crap, these bounce around time so much that my reader is going to be so confused. So if I have a bunch of parenting essays and one in one Gio is three and another one, he's seven, but then this one, which one do I then go parenting and then chronological within the parenting, but then when they get to the marriage chapter, then I'm going back to square one in terms of chronology when we, when we first got married and like, it felt confusing to me and I was the writer. So I thought, "Ooh, dookie, <laughs> I don't know about this. And then I just kept writing and I kept compiling more and more and more. And then the next thought was chronology. What is my structure in terms of chronology? Do I want to go from start to finish. And this helps you ask yourself as a writer, what time period does this cover? What is the inherent chronology there? So I realized that the essays that I was writing about, the majority of them were from the last 10 years of my life. It almost kind of picked up where my last book left off my memoir left off at my son's first birthday and a lot of the essays I was writing picked up from his infancy through today so I was like okay well it spans roughly a decade so at least I know that so do I just put them in chronology maybe I do that and so for moving forward I started putting them just in chronological order When I wrote my memoir, I wrote it in chronological order, but a lot of memoirs need a prologue that hooks the reader with a bit of excitement or drama or just to show like, hey, I know you're reading my life story, but it's not going to be boring. And here's something big that happened. And so let me give you a little sneak preview at it. So while I wrote my memoir, I didn't write it chronologically, I wrote it in bits, but I structured it chronologically. I took a chapter that was like three quarters of the way through, and I brought it to the prologue in order to show like, whoa, here is a really intense moment. And then the prologue ended and I was like, Pause. You're not going to see what happens yet. You have to, we have to go back to the beginning first so you can even understand. So it's a way for a writer to engage a reader because people might not want to start with the day I was born or the day I met my partner They you know, they're like, at least promise me that something exciting is going to happen here. And those are some things to think about with chronology. So for this essay collection and come home to your heart, I started putting them in chronological order. I just kept going from there for a while. And just time passed and I I let go of the idea that I had to have it all figured out. So you can go the thematic route, you can go the chronological route. You can also go what I mentioned earlier, the experimental route. Does it make sense to make it collage or braided? Meaning like collage is where things are not in specific order you're kind of melding and playing with time it's non-linear with experimental it's okay are you doing some kind of interesting pattern all of the odd chapters are going to be Um, pieces from the 1950s all of the even chapters are going to be chapters about the 2000s who knows it's you know do you want to be experimental do you want to do some of that interesting hermit crab stuff I talked about do you want it to almost feel like a mystery novel to figure out where you're doing something interesting with puzzle piece work what kind of experimental stuff do you want to do so you can go thematic chronological experimental again as long as it makes sense for the narrative. So if you're writing a mystery novel, then yeah, maybe look at some experimental forms. Or if you're writing a very lyric essay, you might want to play around with some of those hermit crab style forms. And then finally, what you might have to think about is function, 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 function. So what struck me, was that with each essay I was writing, I felt like I kept wanting to have some kind of now your turn section. And started with just like posing a couple of questions at the end of each essay where I'd be like, you know, what I learned was this and now your turn. But then that felt kind of preachy each time I was saying what I learned was or like it felt too on the nose. Here is the takeaway. But it felt like there was some kind of inherent lesson in each one and then I wanted to let the reader explore what was in it for them. And this really stumped me. I didn't know that this essay collection was also going to be part journal until the last year, this past year. I didn't know that. It was just an essay collection at first. So here's what I did. Because I didn't know what it wanted to be, I started reading my essays on this podcast. Sometimes in order to figure out the structure, you have to play around with different mediums. What some people do is they paint it out or they start collaging. Peg Conway, who is on this podcast, she was a writer I coached. She wrote a book called The Art of Reassembly, a beautiful memoir about early loss that she went through when her mom passed away when she was a child. She talks about how she needed to take some time, just like a little pause break, during her writing process of that memoir when she didn't quite have it all figured out and she took, I believe, a collaging class. Sometimes you have to play around with different mediums in order to get clarity on your writing medium. This has been super helpful for me. I've taken breaks in the middle of writing to go do a screen printing class. I've taken breaks in the middle of writing to go read my work out loud at live lit events. I've done other things that in some way, even if I didn't even realize it at the time, informed the project I was working on. So because I felt a bit like, hmm, I don't know what this wants to be, at first I just thought maybe it wants to be podcast episodes. I love telling my stories out loud. We were in the midst of the pandemic. I couldn't go read on stage, so I wanted to share my work out loud. So I thought maybe all along these essays have been for audio for being read out loud for sharing like we would around the fire right just telling them out loud so i started sharing them on the podcast recording them And it's almost like I couldn't help myself after each essay, I would record and read out loud after I would stop reading, I would keep recording and I'd say, and now here's something to think about for yourself. And I'd then apply it to the listener. And then I'd give a sort of like prompted meditation at the end, you know, if you've been listening to this, that that's what I do whenever I read my essays out loud, I bring it to the reader slash listener afterwards and then I guide you through reflection questions, meditations, and that just feels very inherently natural. It was once I started doing that multiple times that I thought, huh, if I'm doing that in audio, can I not do that in writing? And I started looking at my podcast transcripts and going, okay, how do I transform some of those reflective prompts that I used in my episodes into journaling prompts? And that's how the structure of, oh, this is essay collection and guided journal. That's how that formed by doing the podcast. The reason why I even got the idea that one could translate to the other and back again is because I had a model. There's a wonderful podcaster out there and author called Emily P. Freeman, and she wrote a book called The Next Right Thing, which was based on her podcast, The Next Right Thing. And years before, I had the revelation to form my podcast episodes into chapters I read her book, The Next Right Thing, in which she talks about how The Next Right Thing really started off as a podcast because she had these ideas and she didn't quite know the form for them, so she started recording podcasts. And when she recorded enough episodes, she realized then how they could become a book. So last year when I was going, how do I structure this thing? And I went from, okay, these are essays to I'm going to read these out loud to, okay, I am doing these prompts afterwards. Okay, they can go back into the written form. Her book came into mine because she kind of gave permission that that could be a way that you can do that. And I thought... Oh, (laughs) so I started looking at the transcripts of these episodes and going, how do I take those reflective meditations and put them into journaling prompts? And I started thinking about the functionality that I really wanted. If these essays were going to become a book, I wanted it to be half me, half you, half my story, half your story. I knew that deep down. So it needed to function as both my storytelling and then your storytelling. So how does that work? Well, what is the most obvious function for this? I do an essay. I I just do exactly what I did on the podcast. I do an essay, and then I take the themes and prompts related to that, and I put them at the end of that chapter for the journaling component. Then the structure revealed itself. Each chapter is essay and then prompts. Essay and then prompts, essay and then prompts. Okay, fair enough. So then I compiled many of them. And what helps me along the way is looking at the outline the outline of what is already there. On Google Docs, there is an outline format where you just click the outline button and you're able to go from having you know, a 300 page manuscript to you look at the left sidebar and you can see all your chapter titles there. It's another way of zooming out and looking at it as an outsider's perspective. The more I looked at my outline, I could see if the flow was even there, if it was working. Another way of doing that is spreading it all out on the floor, but you can't maybe do that each time you write. So having the outline bar is super helpful. In the past, I've had a spreadsheet of basically my table of contents. The outline is like your table of contents. What's already here? What is the outline of what I already have? In Scrivener, there's the outline Function, Stephen Pressfield, famous author of The War of Art, he calls it the full scap method, basically just really looking at your outline. If you can look at the outline, you can see the narrative from a zoomed out bird's eye perspective and going, does chapter one, whatever I'm talking about in chapter one, flow into chapter two and so forth. So as I was looking at my chapters, I realized that I had about, I don't know, 22 of them. And I thought, okay, that works. And they were all kind of going chronologically through my life. But when I looked at the outline, I realized, oh, okay, this essay actually should come before this one timing-wise. Okay, this one should come before that one. And I ordered them chronologically. But then I realized functional-wise how many chapters do I want to have? And I was talking to my husband one day and I said, oh, right now I have 22 chapters. And and I said, so I'm thinking of the journaler, you know, would they do one a day? How many days would they want to do it? And then 22 felt, even though it's an even number, it felt like an odd number of, of chapters in that. Okay, would they just stop writing after 20? Two days, usually people look at things by weeks, so maybe do I want to have 21 chapters? That seems too short. I want them to get into the habit of journaling for the entire month so they can get used to it. I think I want four weeks' worth of chapters. Each chapter is a writing session for them, so I would need 28 chapters. I would need seven chapters a week for four weeks when I said that out loud, again, the function was there for the reader. The idea was, yes, you can just turn to this book, any chapter, and do it at any day and make it a 15-minute retreat. But if somebody really wanted to develop this into a habit, they might need the whole month to do it. And I want to give them a whole month to really have a month-long exploration. And so they need four weeks' worth. They need 28 Chapters. And once I did that, then I could see okay, four times seven. I have four sections here. Each section is a week's worth. And then I started going okay, it's flowing chronologically, but what are these first seven chapters about? What is section one truly about? What is section two about? What is section three? What is section four? And do they progress over time? And that's when I realized. That section one was all essays about looking within. And then section two, I wanted to be about learning and expanding. And section three was all these chapters about nothing going according to plan. So it was, okay, dealing and healing when life doesn't go according to plan. And then section four, it's like I'm wanting to give some guidance for starting a new charting a new course and so section 4 is charting a new course and so in that way the structure was inherently revealed so when you really think about the function of it when i was looking at those four sections then i had to do a little bit more rearranging because not every essay out of the 7 might have fit under that kind of category and gone chronologically, but I kind of not only thought about, okay, what's already here, but with a guided journal, what kind of progress do you want to make? You want to look within, you want to expand, and then you want to know what to do when life doesn't go according to plan. And then you want to figure out where do I go from here, charting a new course. And so that just felt functional and natural. And that's what was mostly already there. And from there, I had to delete an essay or two and then add an essay or two to really fulfill those categories. So in the end, it was a blend of function, chronology, and theme. And that's how you figure out how to structure a book. What I highly recommend is throughout and at the end of the writing process, print out and read aloud, print out and read aloud, print out and read aloud. That printing out and seeing what you have and moving it around and reading it out loud will tell you right away what's working and what's not, what's already there, what it wants to be, what doesn't fit. Those are the things that I cannot figure out when I'm just scrolling through a document on a computer. It doesn't feel... Uh, tangible to me when it is on a screen. I need to print it out, hold it in my hand, shuffle pages around, read it out loud. I have some interesting video, I'll put it up on Instagram, of me just at my desk revising where I'm walking on my treadmill. I have a, a standing desk with a walking treadmill underneath and so I walk very slowly and I read out loud. And I read the whole thing and I read the pages with a pen in hand and I make marks about what's working and what's not working. And that is how I not only revise, but how along the way I figure out the structure of the piece is by printing it out, moving the pages around and reading it out loud. So... I hope that these tips and tools will help you with your own structure of your book. Remember to think of the models that you already have. What do you like? Find models that work as a means of inspiration. See what your piece wants to be. So compile some pages and see what's already there. See what your book essay story wants to be rather than what you're trying to force on it, make sure that it piques the reader's curiosity without being confusing. Think about these different topics of thematic, chronological, experimental, and functional, and explore structure through those facets. Think about what best serves the narrative and the reader. So what structure actually serves the story you're trying to tell and the people who are going to read that story. And then when all else fails, print out hard copies, move things around and see what works and read out loud. If you found this helpful, please take a screenshot, share it online, tag me at Nadine Kenny Johnstone and just share what the helpful takeaways are because then that helps me forward it to my community or share with my community so that I know what is really resonating. And it also helps me know what to talk more about. What do you want to hear more about? So be sure to let me know on Instagram at Nadine Kenny Johnstone. Remember that Come Home to Your Heart is available for pre-order and it'll be on your doorstep in May. Thank you so much, Michelle Rado, my incredible producer, for your support in my podcasting journey. And remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week.